Let's go. Hello, and welcome to Sustain Open Source Design. Is it Sustain Our Design? No, it's Sustain Open Source Design. Yes, yes. Sustain Open Source Design. SOS. <laughs> what are you <laughs> so this is SOS, Sustain Open Source Design Podcast, a series of conversations around sustaining open source design and any other topic related to sustaining projects based on open design and design for open source. This time around, we have a really great guest with us, Andy Andres, aka Andy Gonzalez. So welcome, Andre. Hola. Hello. On our panelist teams, we have Ariel Fox. Hello. Peace Ojeme, aka Harry. Hi. And myself. Memo Esparza. Thanks, Andy, for being here with us. Andy has more than 15 years of experience in digital products and has a strong experience with open source tools focused on design, which I think it's an amazing background to start this conversation because we haven't had that kind of perspective until now. Andy, I'm going to give you a few seconds to introduce yourself and talk to us a little bit of yourself of your career and how did you get involved in open source design projects? Like you said, I could say that I am a seasoned designer. I, I have 15 years of experience, which means that I'm old, basically. And <laughs> in this time, I've worked for a variety of companies, different company types. I've worked for startups. I've worked for different consultant agencies. And I also have worked for big companies, for multinationals. So uh, I've seen things, I've seen things in my career. And I've also developed different roles in these different companies. Because at some points I self-considered something like a graphic designer, sometimes a visual designer, sometimes a front-end developer. I've been paying for code as well, for coding. And in the last year I've been mostly focused on user experience, on, on what we understand for user experience. These different roles, in my opinion, gave me a wide overview about what the profession is. This profession about uh, building, ideating, constructing, designing digital products. And yeah, talking about my current experience, now I'm working for Kaleidos, which is a company based in Madrid. Although we also have projects at different places, like in London, we have some there. And this is my seventh year at Kaleidos, so I'm not exactly new. At Kaleidos, what we do is to build digital platforms from scratch, which includes ideating them, developing them, obviously designing, well, doing the design and the user experience part. I also can consider myself an educator. I like to teach. I like to mentor people in subjects related to user experience design, interaction design. Sometimes I give talks about agile methodologies because, well, there is something that in our profession we are used to do, but at Kaleidos, we, we, we could say that we are some kind of specialists in this, and we have a lot of travels and a lot of learnings in the way to introduce, to involve design into agile methodologies. 
I also have a couple of cats and I live in Madrid as well. So. Can you tell us how did you get involved in open source stuff, like focused on, on open source? Like how, I mean, I hear that the game for quite some years now. Yeah. So um, I'm really interested in, in uh, what's your migration like from a multinational to working on, on open source. Well, I could say that I know the game regarding product design, but if we talk about open source, I couldn't say that I'm new, but it's not something that happened in my mind all the time. To be honest, the first time that I started appreciating open source was in my current company, Kaleidos. Before that, I just didn't think about the words open source. It just wasn't a topic. When I think about that, I think that it's a bit sad because to be honest, I also have worked with open source tools. For instance, I made a lot of WordPress sites, Drupal sites. I worked with jQuery. I experimented with visual program softwares like Pure Data and this kind of thing. So it's not that I wasn't introduced to open source, but I just wasn't appreciating it. But when I entered Kaleidos, I entered for a couple of things. Uh, I applied to a really interesting offer because there was a really interesting project with values involved with a group of extraordinary people, some of them that I already knew. And then they introduced me to open source. They were, all, most of them, developers. And I was a designer, a user experience designer. And yeah, for me, it was like going to Mars. Everything uh, a bit strange. It was everything different. Uh, there were things that I just didn't understand. And some things that were new, some were exciting, some were frightening. Until now, it was a journey. <laughs> it was a journey. And, and now I can say that I'm fully committed to open source projects and to the open source community as well. One of the most interesting things and one of the things we'd like to spotlight on this podcast is actually how do people that are interested in design and open source software and the intersection between the two come to understand about what open source software is because everyone kind of makes that journey in their own way. So it's always really great to hear how our guests came to know about open source software. And I really want to take us towards tooling because this is one of the reasons I think that you're here to talk about what you work on with in Kaleidos and the tools that you work on is to do with Penpot and to do with maybe perhaps Tiger as well, which is interesting because the open source sustain working group for design actually use both tools. We use Tiger to manage our workload and we, a lot of us do use Penpot as well. But I have a, a slightly broader question, which actually asks you to talk a little bit about maybe your experience with education, essentially. So I'm really curious for you to talk about what you think about how designers generally are taught either in education or when they self-teach in terms of tooling and software. And do you think that we are in a place where it's difficult to move out of like this industry standard tool set of software. Where do you see the culture of designers moving towards when we start to build more open source tooling? And what's your experience there? First of all, open source is not a topic here. It usually doesn't. In terms of tooling in education, 
we are always talking about things like productivity, like company standards, not exactly, I'm not talking about file standards because this is something that is a problem as well. And things that are related to the individuals, maybe, but not to the communities. And I was the type of professor that used to say that the tool was not important. I used to insist in this matter. In fact, I used to repeat this thing a lot. I used to say to my students, okay, whatever tool you feel, it suits your needs better. And I'm not going to teach you how to use it. And I'm not going to spend time in that. I don't feel that this is going to be profitable for your design learning process. So yeah, whatever you choose is going to be fine. Nowadays, I'm starting to change my thinking about this because, well, in general terms, I still believe that the tool should not be important, but the truth is that it is. And the tool is also a political space, that, which is something that we usually forget. And the tool defines sometimes how we work, with who we work, who has access to the files, to the work, to the tool, who is invited to work on. And yeah, sometimes I get very angry when I see design courses that are dependent on certain softwares that run on certain operative systems, which means that those students not only have to buy a program or sometimes they don't buy it because, well, the school could provide this, but if they want access to this course, to these learnings, to this group of people that are sharing the learning process, they need to have a certain hardware and not exactly the cheapest one, which is something very hurtful. And I don't like this. And with Penpot, we are trying to break this. We are trying to break this model. And we are trying to build a tool that helps the inclusion of the students on every process, on every work that they can share. Because, well, we have problems with the operating systems, but we also have problems with the licenses. And at last, we have problems with the formats because different design tools have different proprietary formats. So you are bounded to this tool. You are, at some level, you are hijacked. And we are really trying to build something that breaks this cycle and that invites every student to be inclusive in any design learning process. Yes, just to uh, catch up with, with the context here. So you work in, for this company called Kaleidos. Mm-hmm. And one of the projects that Kaleidos is uh, investing in is in Penpod, right? Yep. So you are by extension designing the Penpod interface and experience of sharing, etc. Right? Right. I did not say it, but it makes me very happy to know that you guys are using Taiga and Penpod. Both are tools meant for people in the tech world. Both have similarities. Both are open source. Both are driven by the same values. And yeah, both Penpot and Taiga are companies, are in, in fact companies created by Kaleidos, which is the company that is paying me at the moment. Taiga is a bit older and it has a, a financial structure already. And at some point it's sustaining Penpot these days. I just wanted to go back to something you mentioned while you were trying to talk about Pimpot was how much Pimpot has, or the bridge Pimpot is trying to bridge around inclusion and stuff. I'm just saying for those who are listening to this podcast, how would you say that Pimpot is bridging that inclusive space 
what these people are doing differently that are designed to are missing that's making it more inclusive than other designs out there. Maybe the first thing is not what can they do in this tool that cannot be in other tools, but how can they do it? The first difference is that working with open standards, you can share your work in an open way. You are not, like I said, bound to proprietary format for a specific tool that is for a specific business. So if you work with Penpot, your files are going to be SVG, which is an open standard. And if you are tired of Penpot and you want to go to with your work to any other tool, you are going to be able to do that freely with no problem. And this is the first difference because if you are working in collaboration with a group of students and some of them have, for instance, Windows and some of them have a Macintosh and they are using softwares that only run on Windows or on Macintosh, they are going to start having problems. And some of them are going to need or work with a hardware that is not theirs or need to buy one or something like that. With Penpot, you won't have to worry about these kind of things. This is the first thing. The second thing is that being open source means being transparent. So the whole project is open. You can see the code. The code is published that once can download it and run it his own instance. Whoever that wanted could make a takeover of Penpot to us. We also have the roadmap published. It's open. Our Taiga project is public. So you can see what we do. You can see our plans. You can see the code. You can replicate it if you don't like something that we do. So you can live without worries that we are going to do something eventually that is going to harm you. For instance, I remember last year there were some polemic with one of our competitors because they changed the starter plan. They started adding a lot of restrictions that penalize uh, individual contributors. And with Pepot, this is not going to happen ever because even if we wanted, someone can build this twin tool without these restrictions. So whatever is given to you with Penpot today, we're not going to be able to take it from you. So I think this is important. And this is important at different levels, not only for the individual contributors, but also for group of people, for companies, for departments that are worried about what can happen tomorrow with the work that they have today stored in a third party, in a third company. We also want this community, these students to collaborate with us. In fact, we already have had different sessions with some schools to do user testing and focus groups to get feedback and to introduce it in the design of our tool. This is important for us because we also feel that most of the design tools are made for professionals. And we do not only want this to be made for professionals, but also for amateurs and people that are starting. So we are taking them in big consideration in terms of designing our own tool. I'm interested on how building PinePod become a, an idea for you guys at Calibus. Like, how did that? I mean, I, I can try and track back the stuff that you're saying and, and how you couldn't see this openness and transparency in other tools. And I guess that's part of the reason why I decided to build this tool. But, that, you know, I, I think it's admirable to compete with these industry giants like, you know, Sketch and Figma nowadays. 
So just curious about how did you guys decide to actually invest yourselves in, in building this platform? Well, the answer is in the very core of Kaleidos, of our company. The thing is, at Kaleidos, we build software, but we also feel, we believe that technology is not neutral. And therefore, we can have a positive impact in society. We believe that we have a privilege in, to be in this sector, to be able to sort of choose where to work. And we decided that we want to put our efforts in projects that are going to make a big difference to society, or at least a good difference. So following the thought that technology is not neutral, we have a set of values, our company, that we wanted to make explicit. And in these core values, we include things like transparency, work-life balance, feminism, honesty. One of them, it's open source. This is very core because, like I said, we are building software. And we do not believe that we can build software ethically without being open source. Okay, this is the core of Kaleidos. Okay, let's talk about what means to be committed to open source at Kaleidos. This means for us that we use open source, we use open source tools, unless we do not have any choice to do that way. We contribute to open source projects and we also build our own open source project. We want to deliver this to the community. Given that, in terms of design, as a designer, we still believe that we were in a bit of disadvantage because we saw that our colleagues, the developers, they had all the toys, all the tools that they needed to do their work properly, being open source, obviously. But we designers that wanted also to be committed to these beliefs that open source software is going to make the world a bit better. We didn't have the proper tools to do our job. And I'm talking here about interaction design specifically. It's not that you don't have options to design with open source tools, but we didn't have a proper option to do interaction design. At least we didn't know any tool that really met our needs as interaction designers. And that was a problem. That was really a problem because we tried several things. We tried using software that are open source, but are not meant for interaction design. And that made us a bit sad. That made our work difficult. And we felt that there was a problem that was worth to be tackled. With these things in our head, with these thinkings, we decided to build something by ourselves. We started with a prototype, with a very small prototype. And at some point, it became some, something serious. To summarize this, we really want the designers to be first-class citizens in the open source design world, which we believe that is something that is not happening right now. Yeah, that's, that's great. I'm also really interested on how is this contribution process working in Penpot. First of all, defining what's our understanding like community contributions, because I think that concept changes, you know, from community to community. So first of all, what do you guys at Penpot consider a contribution from a community member? Right now, what we consider contributions are basically four things. The first one, it's user feedback. And here we include raising issues, proposing ideas, open discussions. Those things uh, live mainly 
in GitHub. They write a lot to us. In fact, we have almost daily conversations with users. And also via email, they write us a lot. Proposals with ideas, with errors, these kind of things. And we consider all of these contributions. In fact, we used to modify our roadmap, having in mind taking into account this type of feedback a lot. This user feedback loop continuous that we have is one of our main sources of inspiration. This is a reality. This is a fact. Another very common way to contribute to Pampot is to help us with the translations. We have currently 15 languages and only two of them are made by us. The rest have been added, have been proposed by the community. And even in the ones that we maintain directly, we have contributions. And this is really useful because if we want to make an, an inclusive tool, it has also to be translated. So translations help us to popularize the tool. Another way that we consider contribution is to, to contribute directly to the core code. We currently don't have much of this, but this is something that we really want to encourage. But for instance, yesterday, some guy made a change because we had a button in, in a page inside Penpot, in the user profile specifically, that did nothing. We had a button that just did nothing. You click on them and nothing happened. It was just absurd. This button was a legacy of an old design. And yeah, he took it out. He made a pull request. We review it, we accept it, and we're going to thank him in the next release for this change. We have a few of this kind of contribution directly to the code, but still, they are not as much as we would like. We hope that with time, we're going to start having more of them. And the last contribution is something that I will not say that is really happening, but it's something that we really want to encourage. We really want to make it happen, which is design contributions. The thing with design contribution is that we still didn't figure out how to do it properly. This is actually one of our main challenges. And at some point, it's going to be one of our main focus because we want to... Well, we are really a tool for the design community. Well, not only for the design community, for the tech community. But in the end, there are going to be a lot of designers using this. And it will be like a dream for us to have designers involved in the development of Penpot. Still, we need to maintain the governance because if not, the product, you know, it, it can go to places that we don't want, what the vanilla project or something like that. We have to control it. But we definitely want to involve the design community in the design of Penpot. Yeah, I find that super interesting. In Open Collective, we are also starting to do that ourselves. The platform was accepting contributions from developers from, uh, since the beginning. Hmm. But you know, it, the design side was a little bit underrepresented with reference on, on developers, as you rightly state. And we have been doing this kind of bounty projects, like bounty programs, some stuff that are aligned in our, in our roadmap. And sometimes it takes like a little bit more effort from us. So we could break down a bigger project in really small projects and launch them as bounties with a monetary compensation for now. I mean, probably the ideal in the future would be to happen it more organically, but you know, at this stage, 
we are focused on only accepting contributions to see what happens and how, how that works. We currently do that using Figma, the, the software. So I was, was wondering what kind of thing you guys had in mind to make that a, a reality. We are currently open to suggestions. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in fact, I listened carefully to what you said because you already gave me a couple of ideas. And I just don't know at this moment. I just don't know. We know that we yeah. want this to That's happen, great. but we didn't start the ideation of this because, well, this is design as well. We not only design features, we also design processes and ways sure. to work. This is something that we really need to design. So it couldn't be honest. It wouldn't be, you know, fair to my team, to my colleagues, if I just say something now that hasn't been discussed between us. So yeah, yeah sure. we, I just can say that we already have a couple of ideas, but they are underdeveloped still. Yes, it's really interesting. And in my opinion, that it's going to define the design world in the future. So the sooner we start doing that, the better. And using that to start wrapping up this conversation with you, how do you see like this collaboration focus processes in, in design or creative projects specifically will be in the near future in your experience? Like, I love the fact that you are a professor yep. because that gets you in touch with students and young people a lot. And I think the young people, like really young people always have like newest trends. So what do you think it's going to work for collaboration in, in design processes in the future? First thing is that collaboration, multiplayer design, it's already a fact. It's, it's a commodity even. In fact, the design tools that are being more relevant because of this specifically. So. What I see in the future is that collaboration has to go a step further because right now we are talking on sharing documents, editing documents at the same time, something like this. We still used to divide uh, the roles in different silos. So developers have their own documents, the designers have their own documents, content people have their own documents. And there is a pain, there is a true pain when connecting all the dots, when connecting code to design, design to code, when adding content to your designs. I think the big pain is there to build something that makes true connections between the different aspects of a digital product, including management, content, design, development. And I'm not talking only about getting into the same document at the same time, but into sharing the same source of truth for the whole team and working collaboratively with the same source of truth, even if we have different ways to present this source of truth. And yeah, we already have ideas related to that. In fact, I think one of our focus for the next year is going to be to figure out what is the best way to connect the code with the design to make a, a direct connection. And yeah, we will see. I think this should be the next step in collaboration. Nice. You guys use Tiger to do like the developer 
work? I mean, issues and that kind of stuff, or we use GitHub or what do you use? No, we use Taiga for project management, <laughs> but for the code, we are using GitHub. In fact, you can take a look at the Penpot GitHub. Everything is there, and you can open an issue as well if you want. If you see something that we have to to fix. I know you mentioned some ways people can contribute to Pinpot for now. Well, mm-hmm. translation, I think. Are there links that people could like we could get to share with the podcast that people could go through to see how they can like start getting involved with Pinpot? Yeah, in fact, we have a help center online. And in that health center, we have a section specifically dedicated to contributing. There we have all the ways you can contribute right now to Penpot, which means reporting bugs, translations, contributions. And also we have a code of conduct there. Yeah, this link could be useful for people that get to this podcast. And we will be more than happy to have more contributions. Like I said, this is one of our main source of inspiration. One interesting thing is here is that the, the whole team is responsible to answer the users. This is something that we encourage to do because we believe that direct contact with the users made you understand, truly understand the problems of the real people which is using what we are doing. So we are not thinking on having different team to answer people. So if you write us, if you raise an issue, if you add something to GitHub, if you do a pull request, it's us, the people that are going to answer you, the developers, the designers, the ones that are really building the project. And we appreciate extremely the contributions and we will be more than happy to have more. Then it's time to wrap up, literally a Appreciate having your perspective here, Andy. I mean, I feel like this conversation could last four hours. So right now, we're moving to the spotlight section to wrap up this specific conversation. So Andy, if you want to share uh, with us your spotlight of today. I choose a very specific one, which is Pure Data. Pure Data software, it's a software for visual programming. You have to connect boxes, one box to other. Yeah. Each box have like a mathematical operation or something like that. And it's really fun to work with that for interactive projects, for interactive installations, and for doing music as well. And I remember when I started this digital stuff, things, creative things, because I studied fine arts, but you know, the classical one, painting, sculpture, this kind of thing. Yeah. When I started with digital art, a couple of programs with pure data, and it warms my heart. Each time I think on this. So, yeah. Okay, Perry, do you want to go ahead and share us with your spotlight of today? Yeah, I think I want to spotlight my organization, Open Source Community Africa, because we are currently wanting to host Festival for this year, the um, Open Source Festival for 2021. And we are sort of like, um, still in the planning stage. I think we'll start calling out for sponsors soon enough. So I'm just like putting it out there just to promote the conference that's coming up uh, towards the end of this year, around November. So I'll say Oscar is my spotlight for today. I'll share the link. Ariel, want to share us your spotlight of today? So my spotlight this 
episode is another kind of tool, I think, another open source kind of tool where you can be extra creative. So the tool that I'm promoting is called Bitsy. So B-I-T-S-Y. And you can find the link at the person who created it, which is Ledoux. So L-E-D-O-U-X slash Bitsy. So Bitsy is a pixel game creator engine and you can create games in the browser using this. So Bitsy runs in the browser, but it's also open source. So you could fork it and uh, make changes to the whole game engine, or you can just create games on it as well. I've created a few really silly, simple games in Bitsy and it's just really fun to play around with and you can create your own like very simple pixel art in it. So that is my spotlight for today on still the topic, I guess, of tools in some way. And my personal spotlight is not a tool. It's a book that I read as often as I can. It's very didactic. Your conversation reminds me of that book because it's really about learning in the process of doing. And I think open source culture is based on that specific feeling. The book I'm sharing is Interaction of Color by an old Bauhaus teacher that's called Joseph Albers. It's a German graphic design teacher that was pretty fast forward to his time, in my opinion, because it, he states that uh, you can't just define some rules of warm and cold colors and how to use green and how to use yellow. Because everything around you modifies your experience on something as sensitive as color. And it introduces like uh, an experimentation process on how to deal with color. And I would love to create like, for example, an open source guide to experiment with color hosted in a software like Pempot, for example, and, uh, a file that you can access and play around with stuff and create some things on yourself and learning in the process. That's why I put that on my spotlight today. Okay, so that's it for today, folks. We had a really great conversation with Andy Gonzalez. We strongly suggest you to take a look to base project PenPod. It's a new open source tool focused on design. And yeah, we were really happy to have you. It was an honor to be here. And it was a lot of fun. So thank you very much to you all. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. And see you on the next podcast. See you guys. Bye-bye.